Good evening, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can find me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice, including Google, Apple, Spotify, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, given that there's not really a whole lot of new news, so to speak, other than Ilya Kovalchuk signing for $700,000 with the Montreal Canadiens, hey hey, Atlanta Thrashers years, we're going to take a, a bit of a different approach tonight. I wanted to do a fun challenge where I basically build an all-decade 2010 to 2019 team based on some of my favorite players. Um, but unlike a lot of the challenges where people have built teams that are super teams across all four lines, I want to pick underrated talents as well. Guys who are, relatively speaking, fit to roles that you might actually see on their existing or former NHL teams. So like a third liner gets a third liner role on this team, but he might be a really, really good third liner that people didn't appreciate. This will be like a a very good team, but it's not going to be one of those insane things where you see Austin Matthews on the fourth line. Now, bear in mind, Jets fans, don't get too sensitive. I'm going to be picking players from across the league and from teams that you probably despise with every fiber of your being. I don't like doing it either, but some of these guys really do deserve a spot on our team. Just know I'm not picking any crappy people. I only pick good humans. Alright, our first top line is going to start with none other than Connor McDavid at first line center, which is pretty obvious. I think we all know that he is arguably one of the greatest players of all time in terms of pure raw skill. The way McDavid at his peak can read the ice and set up plays, uh, whether it's in transition, in the offensive zone, or essentially leading breakouts, yeah, there's just no one else like him in the league. His edge work is stellar, his acceleration is perfect, he has peerless vision, His passing instincts and his shooting are great. There's just so many different ways that McDavid can attack you. And he truly is a special, special talent. One of the best that we've ever seen and one of the best that I've personally had the chance to witness. On his left flank will be, I'm going to say Patrick Laine. And yes, this is a bit of a biased biased pick. I I know, I get it. Uh, Laine is obviously not the world's best left wing. But in terms of sheer entertainment value, I think that Liney is one of the most sensationally exciting players that I've had the chance to, to watch. Um, especially as he continues to grow his game and develop something of a two-way acumen, there are times where Liney is legitimately a cheat code, and this season he's starting to look like one of Winnipeg's best overall skaters. Yeah, there are some things that he still has to work on, and his, you know, his defensive work rate is still kind of, uh, you know, he, he still kind of fumbles around with the puck sometimes, and he makes some bad decisions, but on the whole, what Liney does in the offensive zone and between the neutral zone, it's just so much fun to watch, and he's got fantastic stick handling, he's got like a predatory passing vision and, and anticipation, and that's all, of course, before you even talk about his most lethal shot in the NHL, which, if you pair that with McDavid, is going to get you a whole lot of goals. Imagine McDavid with somebody anywhere near Liney's talent in, in Edmonton, and I would think that that team looks totally different than it does now. On Connor McDavid's right flank, I think we want to take... Let's let's go with uh, Jakob Vrana. Vrana is a very exciting young wing. Um, he was taken, I believe, a bit ahead of David Pasternak. And Vrana, is, uh, he was something of a sleeper for the Caps, even though he's still, like, 22. When he was with the Hershey Bears, he got benched frequently and had some issues because, yeah, he, he did not like getting sent 
back down from the caps after he'd had a taste of NHL action. Like most young kids, Vrana felt that he could contribute at a higher level, and he felt like he'd learned all that he could at the AHL level, so he wanted to be tested at the NHL level and join the Caps' core squad, where he's now surely cemented himself as one of Washington's best and brightest top six players. He's also one of the best wings in the league, and I feel like he has a unique mixture of shiftiness, creative passing, really fast acceleration, and a nice little shot that can just grease right over goalie's shoulders. Also, he makes really funny faces and videos, so that's uh, that's always a social media angle that you like to have when you have a public-facing player. Now, for the second line, which is arguably going to be a second first line, at center I think we have to have Nathan McKinnon. I put McKinnon on the second line just because I think McDavid as the first line is is the more sensible choice if you have the choice between the two. McKinnon is fantastic and one of the most dynamic skaters that I've ever seen. I know I've said that a couple of times already in this podcast, but seriously, I mean, these guys all excel in edge work and creative ability and offensive skill, but McKinnon just has this preternatural ability to take over the ice. When he has his, one of his dominant shifts, you literally cannot touch the guy. He's just everywhere. He's a tremendous offensive powerhouse. And as soon as he gets a step on you from even a standstill, McKinnon is just gone. You aren't catching up to him. He's been Colorado's most important player, and he continues to be a pivotal offensive force for that squad, even though the team itself is a little more average and modest than you might think. McKinnon actively makes all of his linemates better, and this year his offense is just almost unparalleled. He's a creative monster, and I'm afraid every time I see him come against the Jets. Even when he scores against us, I just enjoy watching it. I mean, he's just such a fun, creative player, and there are a few guys who can honestly take over a shift like he can. To assist McKinnon, I think on the left flank we're going to have Nikita Kucherov, who, you know, I don't think he needs much of an introduction. Kucherov is one of the best scoring wings in the NHL, and Tampa Bay has him on a very good deal. Now, as good as Nikita Kucherov is, occasionally he can be a bit of a dirty player, which is uh, slightly unfortunate, but overall he's still very good at what he does. Um, He's got a lethal shot, which I think (laughs) I don't think that needs any introduction. You've all seen him score some unbelievable goals. Last year, he had an unbelievable scoring season. I think he had 110, 120 points, something absolutely insane. Even if he derives a ton of scoring off of the power play, it doesn't matter. He can do it at all situations, and he's just an unholy terror in front of the net. On the right side, I think we're going to go with... Timo Meyer, who for some reason continues to be one of the most underappreciated scoring talents in the NHL. San Jose tends to have a lot of guys who punch well above what you'd expect for a team that often exists in the margins of really, really good high-end skill, but guys who aren't named, you know, household names. Meyer is one of the more exceptional cases insofar as he's uh, he's Swiss, a nation which historically doesn't produce a whole lot of high-end goal scorers, and he's also one of the most fascinating wings to watch. I mean, he's got incredible pace, he's got a ridiculous shot, he's got predatory instincts in front of the net, he's got great positioning. You give him someone like McKinnon on his, on his flank, and he's just going to be unbelievable. I mean, obviously, I could pick any other scoring wing like Ovechkin, but Meyer, for me, doesn't get enough credit. He's a ton of fun to watch, he's a very enjoyable player, um, and he's from a franchise that, generally speaking, people don't always think about as having a lot of elite offensive talent. San Jose has been, you know, obviously they were in the cup finals not too long ago, very good team overall, but again, a lot of underrated talent. Meyer is one of those guys who I don't think people recognize just how good he is. Alright, time for the third line where we start getting into some deeper picks, a couple of which will be Winnipeg players, and I think the first one that I want to choose is Andrew Kopp at center. 
Andrew Kopp is one of Winnipeg's most versatile middle six slash top six forwards, who's also been a, a second line center at times. And he's a personal favorite of many Jets fans because he's a hardworking player who actually gets a lot of results on the ice. He's a great penalty killer. He's a great playmaker. He's a great transition maker. He's got soft hands. He's got a relentless forecheck. And he ticks off a lot of boxes that you want from a depth forward. But he also has a lot of higher end skills that you don't see. He's always been a bottom six guy in terms of where he's been deployed for Winnipeg, but over the past couple of seasons, I think Paul Maurice has started to recognize that there's more to Andrew Kopp's game than just being um, a penalty killer or a fourth line or third line forward. When he's on the ice, he can be a bit of a buzzsaw around the net, and he's got a nice shot to match with it. Good skating, not amazing skating, but good enough. Uh, he's got a, a great positioning, especially in, in the forecheck where he needs to either protect the puck or force a turnover. High energy, high impact, just a very talented puck distributor and player all around, and somebody that every team could really use. On his right flank, I think we are going to have Josh Anderson of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Anderson I actually got to see live once a couple of years ago, where he had something like 17 shot attempts on net. I think that was when he was still playing on Panarin's line. I think that was Panarin and Dubois, um, and that line, of course, was going to be fantastic. But Anderson has a unique brand of hockey where he's a very physical imposing forward but he's also very smart he's basically what happens if you take tom wilson and and avoid the decapitating your opponent's part anderson is of course a classical power forward but he also marries a decent amount of finesse and he's just a physical bully in the offensive zone he's got very solid edge work and he's a a very hard forechecker he's got a nice shot he's pretty positionally sound hard to to find too many faults in his game He's just a very good middle six forward, sometimes sometimes second line forward if you need him to be there. On the left side, I think we have to have Matthew Perot, who remains arguably one of the most perennially underrated players in the entire NHL. For Washington, he remains the guy who kind of got away from them. Even though at the time he was still highly regarded, he ended up walking away and, and you know going to Anaheim, and then the Jets brought him in as a free agent. Perot has never really been appreciated, I think, by the the vast majority of NHL fans for just how good of a player he's been. Uh, Perot is one of those guys who's very smart. He creates a ton of offense around the net, um, and at his peak, because he dominated puck possession so much, he tended to allow very few scoring chances against. He's been a phenomenally crafty play driver when he's healthy, although his health has been something of an issue from time to time. That said, you still take Perot all day, every day. He's been one of Winnipeg's best impact forwards in the middle six role that he's been cast, but you can play him much higher if you need to. I would have zero hesitations putting him on a line with Patrick Laine because I think that Perot's skill set, where he has a a fast stride and really sharp passing instincts, would pair nicely with Laine's absolutely blistering shot. Perot makes everyone around him better, and I think that that's kind of an important trait to have when you're somebody like, you know... Uh, a guy who gets cast and, and sort of rolled around the bottom six or middle six. You need to prove that you have skills above um, where you're being deployed to, to show that you deserve more ice time. Perot arguably shouldn't be in the bottom six, but that's kind of where he finds himself with Winnipeg. Now, for our favorite line of all time, which everyone always loves to lampoon because most fourth lines are terrible, the fourth line. The guys who are your energy guys and grinders. Is it possible to have a really skilled fourth line? The answer is heck yes you can. And for our first center choice, I'm going to have to go with Jean-Cabriel Pagiot, who's kind of in the Perot, you know, mold of like a middle six forward who usually has gotten bottom six time. Although with Ottawa, he's recently been getting a lot more ice time over the past couple of seasons. 
couple of years ago, Paggio was one of the uh, one of the true anchors of the elite fourth line that the Suns were running when they made the playoffs, where he was along with I think Eric Condra and Alex Chason. Pajot is a guy who, historically, people also sort of underrated his talent. I think that he was always a very good offensive forward, and he had a, a knack for finding good passing lanes, and he's got a pretty decent shot. Very fast, too. Um, I think he got deployed on the penalty kill a lot and had a couple of shorthanded goals for himself. But because he's with Ottawa, I don't think people recognize just how good he was, and this season has been something of a coming-out party for him. I think people are finding out that he's an offensive terror when he's on a roll. To give him some support, we're going to pair him with Brendan Leipzig, who I think has been passed around the league a lot. With the Caps, however, he's found something of a, a very physical, intense role where he drives the four check. He's got a great shot and an ability to drive the net, almost relentlessly so. Uh, and he's got he's got a lot of skills that make him a very desirable middle six or bottom six forward. He's maybe not a first or second liner, but you can deploy him against weaker competition and he'll feast on those minutes. He has an ability to be a pest, he has great hands, he's got good vision, he's got a nice shot, and he can just kind of cause a ton of havoc around the net. When you're only playing like 9 or 10 minutes a night, that I think that that's the best that you can ask of a fourth liner, is to be a force of chaos, but a force of creative chaos that ends up keeping the offense um, of the opposing team out of your own defensive end. If you pluck some points from there, I think that that's always a positive boost. On the left side, we're going to take a relatively recent arrival, and that's going to be Connor Garland, who the Arizona Coyotes sort of plucked from the minor leagues. I forget if he was an undrafted free agent or if he was like a, a lower or like like a late round pick. He was somebody who, if I recall correctly, was like an overager in junior and kind of, I think he had a, like a great shot, and the scouting reports were always sort of one of those things where, yeah, he can score a ton of goals, but can he do it at the professional level? Um, but if memory serves me right, he actually had a great stint with the Tucson Roadrunners for a bit, and then Arizona called him up last year, and he was he was all right, not amazing. Um, but this season, he's gotten top six time, and, and I mean Connor Garland, <laughs> he just can't stop scoring. This guy seems to have found a perfect fit for his skill sets with the Coyotes, and I think Tockett honestly loves him. He's like perfectly suited to what Arizona wants to do, where they extract a ton of value from guys who are not really household names, but can be, you know, relied upon when you need them. Uh, but in this case, he's found himself in an elevated role and he's thriving. So all good for Connor Garland, have to say. Now on to defense, which is arguably one of the most contentious topics because everyone talks about defense, but not many people know what good defensemen actually look like. Top pairing, we're going to have to have Eric Carlson and Mark Giordano. I think Giordano is one of the most dynamic and dominating defensemen. Every time he's on the ice, good things just happen for the Flames. Um, and without him, I, I kind of feel like they lose a pivotal part of that offense and defense. He can transition the puck. He's very hard to get off the puck in the first place. Um, he's not like a, a big super physical guy, but he's definitely on the strong side. And he's got a great hammering shot that you can rely on for even strength or the power play. I, I don't think I need to say a whole lot about Eric Carlson because it's Eric frickin' Carlson. If you've ever heard that name, you know what he stands for. Offense, 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 skating, offense, and also some nice passing. Eric Carlson is just a maelstrom of, of offense, especially in the uh, other end. Even though defensively there are questions about whether or not he really does a whole lot of um, D-zone coverage, he just controls the puck when he's on the ice. And as long as he keeps it away from his own net, good things tend to happen. Silky smooth skater, amazing haircut, 
great personality, awesome shot. He's just everything that you want in a modern offensive defenseman, and he might be one of the first prototypes of the new generation of kids that we have nowadays. On the second pairing, I think we're going to have to have Prime Enstrom and Prime Bufflin. Prime Toby Enstrom is one of the best shutdown defensemen in the NHL. He has peerless positioning, he's incredibly savvy and smart on and off the puck, and he seemed to find, no matter what his physical limitations were, ways to uh, avoid giving up scoring opportunities. Dude is a very heady defenseman, and uh, I really miss him. I mean, it's obvious that when he left Winnipeg, the Jets' D just kind of collapsed. You know, a lot of Jets fans kept saying, oh, this this dude's small, and he can't really defend, and he's soft on all this junk. That's not really the case, because Enstrom used his brain more than anything else. He understood where he was strong and where he wasn't, and so he always compensated for that. His partner, Dustin Bufflin, absolutely deserves to be part of this unit, and I think that Bufflin really plays the game in a way that no one else ever will. He's a guy who is as comfortable blasting shots from the point in quarterback and a power play as he is grabbing two guys by the scruff of the neck and dragging, dragging them out of a scrum. Bufflin is a wholly unique skater, um, and he's very versatile. He occasionally plays and advances in the offensive zone like a wing, um, sometimes he's a power play quarterback, and he can be a huge mammoth shutdown defenseman in his own end. He's often used as hawking frame to good effect, and he can just absolutely dump you if you're not careful. Well, sometimes illegally so. He is, in every sense of the word, just an absolute force of nature, and I feel like any time that we don't get to see Bufflin is really a, a loss. The, the very likely chance that he ends his career in the near future just makes it all the harder to to not see him with this team, because... That's all I've ever known him for, you know, aside from his earlier Chicago days and stuff. I mean, he's just, he is the face of this Jets franchise, or at least was for many years, so it's going to be hard not having him around. For this third pairing of defensemen, I'm going to have to cheat a little bit because, well, it's kind of hard to find good third pairing defensemen who aren't actually guys who are playing above their level. I think the first one that I'm going to choose is Jeff Petrie, who, you know, Montreal is so blessed to have. Petrie seems to do everything for this team, and he's a fantastic two-way transitional D with a pretty good passing and distribution. Decent skating, not amazing, but decent. Uh, very quality positioning in his own end. And uh, he, he does help promote offense from time to time. I wouldn't rely on him for that, but he's pretty good overall. I, I don't know that the Oilers really appreciated what they had in him when they when they had him on their blue line, but, I mean, Montreal obviously has benefited a ton from Petrie's presence. He's a calming veteran with a lot of smart decision-making and quality positioning, and it's just hard to find guys like that who do that on a game-in, game-out basis. Next to him, I'd like to have Nate Schmidt. Um, and Nate Schmidt is an old favorite of mine from the Caps days because... Schmidt, uh, as an anchor for the Bears and for the Caps, he was a fantastic bottom-pairing guy um, who arguably deserved more top-four time than he got. And now Vegas has him, and Vegas kind of recognized that Schmidt is truly a very good defenseman. Um, I think that he plays either with or or near, you know, Shea Theodore. They anchor that top-four, and both of those guys are fantastic defensemen in their own right. But I always have preference for Nate Schmidt because he just seems like a super nice guy. He's a very, very good offensive defenseman, and he's a ton of fun to watch. He's very strong on the puck, makes good decisions, can, you know, occasionally get some get some offensive time and generate some points, so he's a good quality guy that you can pretty much put anywhere in your lineup, and you'll be happy. My goaltender list is going to be pretty short. I think uh, on the first one, we're going to have to have Henrik Lundqvist, because just no one else models consistency and quality like Henrik Lundqvist. I think that if you even mention anyone else, there's just not going to be an argument there. 
Lundqvist has been a model of consistency and general excellence over his entire career, and this is behind a team that has traditionally been pretty bad defensively. I think Lundqvist has done a fantastic job masking many of New York's constant deficiencies, and uh, he's carried them to a lot more playoff runs than they have any right to have. Backing him up is going to be the new school goalie, John Gibson. Even though Gibson's having something of a down season this year, his past couple of seasons have been unbelievable, with last year arguably being his best work behind one of the worst teams in the NHL. The Anaheim Ducks probably um, can really count on, on Gibson being the guy who carries them to the playoffs when they're really struggling, which last year they were just absolutely atrocious. Gibson arguably deserved the Vezina, although I don't think he actually got it, but he definitely was the best goalie in the league by a fair margin. Um, and Connor Hellebuck this season has kind of been following in his footsteps for the most part and, and putting up really strong numbers. But last year, Gibson was the guy. He was the dude you could rely on to bail Anaheim out every single time. Just a fantastic nutminder and, and clearly one of the goalies for the future to watch. So yeah, that is my, uh, my so-called all-decade team. I didn't choose a lot of older players because I guess my NHL fandom is not super, super long. Um, I could have chosen guys like Marion Hosa and, and, and some of the older Thrashers guys, maybe Ilya Kovalchuk in his prime, but I'm going to stick with some of the more recent guys, at least to keep it contemporary. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Let me know what you guys thought and what your lineups might look like if you had to choose. And uh, as always, thanks again so much for listening, and go Jets go!